This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, The Tripods, Season 1, Episodes 1 and 4. Consider the unthinkable barbarity of deliberately killing other human beings, and how it must have been in the dark days before the tripods came. For centuries, aggression dominated man's activities, ruining his every endeavor, and in particular making impossible any true partnership with nature such as we now enjoy in our more enlightened times. Welcome to Continuing Drag, the podcast that also tries to pod. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Was that a line from the show? They they tried to pod? No, they're tripods. They're trying to pod. Oh my gosh, I didn't even catch it. Man, it's been it's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did they say pod? Did they say pod in this show? Yeah, they're always podding on this show. They're talking about how their podcast is going. They're trying to get the, their stuff together so they can get the podcast going. Well, I know they're always talking about capped. They say that a lot. Capped, capped, capped. <laughs> Well, this week, we're starting a best-of run of the two-season 1984 BBC series, The Tripods. Yeah. And uh, um, I knew nothing about this thing. I guess it's a book series, which we'll talk about from the 60s. Would you call it a young adult book series? I think it maybe predates that term. Yeah, I'd, I'd call it young adult. I think it's uh, I think it's fair to call it that. It's, it seems to have kids as its leads and uh, pretty aims at that, aims at that audience, I'd assume. Honestly, I was mostly surprised that somehow this book series didn't get a reboot during like the Harry Potter Hunger Games craze. Like that's just a film franchise waiting to go. This show. Do you think it has something to do with that? It's just people walking around. No. Why would that matter? I, it just seems like it, they made Lord of the Rings, biggest hit of the year. That's true. It's true. This does actually have. Um, I, I feel like it has the same. Um, what would you call it? Same sort of tone to it. It's like. I think the journey is the point of this. At least it seems in the first two episodes we've seen. Yeah, it's a real hero's journey. It's a classic all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At any rate, before we get into it, Jordan, uh, let's have a quick explainer for a best of run for anyone tuning in for the first time. Uh, we're not going to watch every episode of The Tripods. Uh, we're only going to cover the pilot and the finale along with the top three episodes of each season. And of course, the top three episodes were determined via very scientific methods. <laughs> in which I compiled some online best of lists, some IMDb ratings, and I got some suggestions of which what to watch from our listeners on social media. So we've done our best to go to, of what the top three are going to be. Though, I mean, the listeners online let me know, and obviously you know now, Jordan, having watched the first couple episodes, a uh, heavily serialized show might make it a little <laughs> more difficult to do. But it's too bad. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, we've done it a few times now, and and the serialized shows do have that drawback where you're like, wait a minute, what did we miss? Um, And sometimes you get lucky where they drop in a little bit of dialogue to help you along the way. Um, In this one, we're going to have an entirely new main character added after the first episode. So, you know, but we I think we'll both catch up. I don't think it mattered, honestly. They, like, gave you a recap at the top of that episode that explained everything that happened up till now. And I was like, great. I don't need to. I don't need to know. I didn't miss anything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was mostly wandering, like I said before. <laughs> well, Jordan, let's let's get into it then. Let's see what's going on in the tripods. Mm-hmm. 
Here is the IMDb summary for Season 1, Episode 1, A Village in England, July 2089 A.D. <laughs> Will meets a strange vagrant that tells him the truth about capping and a place in the White Mountains for free men. Will and Henry decide to leave their village to find it. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's pretty much it. It doesn't establish what the world is and why any of that's important. But, I mean, that's the basic conceit of this particular episode. But, yeah, it's it's July. I like I like that we have to know it's July. It's England. And uh, we're opening up in a picturesque 19th century English village. Very beautiful. Uh, if I didn't know it, if it didn't said it was 2089, I would assume we were in the 19th century. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, right away you get that that sense that something's not right because they establish it's the future. It looks like the past. You're like, something hinky's going on. I think that's what you're saying to yourself. Are you saying something hinky's going on? Yeah, I know what you were saying to yourself. You're like, mm, is this M Night Shyamalan's The Village? <laughs> oh God, it couldn't be that bad. <laughs> well, Jordan, what is what is July fifth also known as? There, there was a name for it. I know they're celebrating this guy Jack. Who's he's gonna get capped? But what do they call the actual day? Oh, Jordan, your family celebrates this every year. <laughs> what is it? Every July fifth is capping day. Oh, it's capping day. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew he was getting capped. <laughs> and uh, uh, they they say capped a lot, and they sort of leave it a little bit vague for the first few minutes. And you you do get the sense of the like, capping doesn't sound great, but they all seem into it. Like basically, it's a little village. You see people all sort of gathering together for sort of like a picnic fair celebration of sorts. And this young man, I guess, he's like adolescent, 15, 16, somewhere around there. This guy, Jack, he's going to be the one who's going to be capped, as they say. And they treat it as a, uh, like a great, a great honor and sort of a rite of passage. It's a, it's a big deal because uh, as they're getting set up for their little banquet uh, and old bald, very bald, this kid's been shaved quite bald, uh, Jack, he's waiting out <laughs> right. there. And finally, we see a giant metal foot step into the village's pond, and a tripod walks out. How would how would you describe a tripod? Um, it looks, uh, I mean, it looks like a tripod. It's got three legs. It's like okay, a big sort of. Cir- cir- <laughs> I know that's not helpful. A big sort of circular head or control unit, sort of like almost like a flying saucer with three legs sticking out of it. I, I describe it. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's very much like a a giant walking robot from War of the Worlds or something. If you've seen uh, any drawings of like the War of the Worlds monsters, you you you'll have a sense of what this might look like. Mm-hmm. And as it comes out, it's it's huge. It's walking over the village. No one is alarmed though, so you know this is very average and everyday for them. No one's freaked out by this alien robot that's walking toward them. And it comes in. It stands over the dock of the pond where uh, old Jack is standing, and uh, I guess young Jack really. And a long robot claw, sort of like uh, an arcade claw machine you'd win a prize with, mm-hmm. comes out of the side of the of, of the tripod, comes down, wraps around Jack, and then pulls him back up and shoves him into the tripod's like lower orifice that's glowing green. And uh, Jack's been brought into the tripod. Yeah, and they sort of don't they don't let the audience know exactly what's happening because we we've had a few characters at a certain point being like. Uh, they're a little nervous about it and they're unsure about being capped and the sort of elders or the adults in the society are like, don't worry about it. If if they got hurt, people would tell you and everyone that has come back is not hurt and they're better for it. So you're like, 
okay, well, this is weird. And we do see Jack come back. They don't ex- say how long he's up there, but we assume it's like, it's like maybe what, like a half hour or something like that? It's a pretty long time. Yeah, half hour to an hour, because during this period, we finally meet the uh, two protagonists of our show, Will and Cousin Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you've said, they, they spent some time discussing being capped by tripods as a, as a coming-of-age ritual. And now... A cap is like a little golden triangle that's embedded in your skull. It's not like a full triangle. It looks like a circuit board slash, uh, I don't know, like a like religious symbol or something that gets put into the top of your skull. Yeah, at first I didn't know. I thought it was it was like a tattoo of sort, but it is sort of like like a metal plate that seems to be almost like implanted or screwed into one's head and and we see that clearly as you mentioned that we saw that uh jack when he took his hat off was quite bald and i i think the implication is that you shave your head before you go out there so that they can cap you properly and when he comes back down you can clearly see on his bald head that he's had this like gold plate put right in his skull mm-hmm. and will and henry will be, be ca- will be capped next year and uh essentially what the cap does is it sort of removes your potential uh or as they say, it removes the evil and greed inside humans uh, and also kind of essentially their creative thinking. It's it's sort of – people of this world like it because when the tripods came to Earth, they ended like war and conflict and, and they say gave humans a uh, – what do they say? It's sort of a better um, cooperation with nature, I guess. Like they uh, – they're living a simpler life, but there's less conflict, there's less strife, mm-hmm. but it, it it's as a result of giving up sort of their, not free will, but their creative thinking. There was an interesting point, though, when they, when they were discussing all this and giving a little bit of um, backstory, like you're saying about capping and about uh, that the tripods have sort of like um, bettered society or at least bettered people's uh, lifestyles. They said, they said at one point, uh, one person, because I wrote it down, he said, it took a generation or two to forget what it was like before because before they said in quote like before they were looked after by the tripods but i but my first thought was doesn't that seem like a very short amount of time to have sort of forgotten what things were like like i understand like a generation or two you would think it would take like i don't know over a hundred years to kind of forget forget what things were like before but i don't know if there's sort of like a, a willful blindness in terms of the the adults did you get that sense well, I mean, it's an interesting idea. Uh, we'll come to see it, but it seems like after you're capped, you lose interest in a lot of the, like, things you were interested in before. So I, I think it's less that, like, you forgot about it and more that you're just not – you're not like, that interested in talking about it anymore. Right. So if no one's passing down, like, the information about that because it's not of interest to them any longer, you probably would lose it pretty quickly. Right. But we do see, um, like, teachers and stuff sort of – discussing how great everything is and telling the students about it so there does seem to be some sort of conscious propaganda or whatever you would want to call it that's happening yeah it could be the case yeah it's not very clear but i think the yeah the idea is in general though um wherever whenever period of time the tripods came into earth we've regressed back from then and we've kind of like let all those things we've done slip away from our minds i guess as a collective society (laughs) and then and then the one other thing i'm going to mention is that we know there's going to be a journey that's going to go on. These uh, characters are going to go um, searching for something. Uh, And we're going to see in the next episode, some ruins and stuff. Does it not only really work if you see, if you're sort of in this idyllic countryside, or is it more that those are used as like a tool of like, yeah, there's all that decay. That's just how it was bad. Don't, don't think about it too much. I don't understand what you mean. I mean, doesn't it undercut their point to be like things are 
things are perfect. And it was like, I don't know. It just seems like it wouldn't take too much of a step to realize there's some manipulation happening. I understand that you're saying that when they're getting capped, they don't care anymore, but it seems like, I don't know. It seems like this would be very hard to control more so than, than everyone seems maybe a more willing participant than, than I think makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the idea is that they like it. They don't, it doesn't bother them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't want to get capped is what I'm saying. But Jordan, you don't have a choice. You got to get capped. Yeah, I got to get capped. I'm already too old. They would have capped me long ago. Jordan, I have a feeling you'd really like being capped. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if I would. I think you'd be like, this is great. All my troubles are gone. Bring on that capping. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I wouldn't mind if a few other people were capped, though. <laughs> well, we'll decide on capping day, Jordan, but you're getting capped, I'm afraid. Fair enough. Anyway, that's not why you called. <laughs> On capping day, though, Jordan, the uh, the villagers, they, they send a little bit of food off to the local vagrant's den. And uh, this is a place where there is a little bit of strife, Jordan. This is what you're looking for. There's a little bit of strife here. Not everyone yeah. can be capped properly. Occasionally, the procedure goes wrong. And when that happens, these people are uh, sort of shipped off to live on the outskirts of town. They're treated a bit like pariahs, but with a bit of pity. Obviously, they're bringing food out to, to take care of them. But the villagers who have been capped, eh, you know, they they feel they're a little bit dangerous. There's a little bit of, like, danger to the idea of these vagrants who live outside of town. It's unclear exactly what the deal is, but essentially, I guess, not everyone gets capped correctly. And when you do, you're kind of ostracized from society. I think it seems to be more than an, uh, being ostracized, though. They sort of treat them like they're, like they have leprosy or something. It's like, ooh, they're they're so evil and and backwards and um uh, corruptible that we don't want anything to do with them it's not so much that I, I didn't get a sense there's a lot of pity for them well they bring them all that food on camping day that's true that's true that that's that is a good feast for everyone everyone gets a little taste of capping day to capping day picnic <laughs> <laughs> you love capping day i love it jordan i mean if those vagrants didn't want to be treated that way they shouldn't live in a den i mean you know, once again, you've made a good point. <laughs> Build a little log cabin. You chose to live in that den. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it's really well furnished. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I don't know for a fact. I didn't go inside that den. It's true. My aunt told me they kidnap people sometimes and eat their brains. I'm not going in that den. <laughs> At any rate, this is sort of the world we come into and the, the information we get before Jack has finally returned from the tripod, having his uh, cap installed. As we've said, it's sort of a triangular chip implanted in his skull, which is a cool makeup effect. I thought they did a nice little job with it. Yeah. And, you know, it's time for the party to start. Uh, Jack's welcomed into adulthood. It seems like his adulthood is mostly just chopping wood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the sense we get right away is that Jack has been clearly changed by the cap. Uh, Will and Jack apparently used to be friends. And when Jack stops by to see if he'd like to hang out again, uh, Jack's busy. He's happily chopping wood. He's got his new job. He's a wood chopper. Loving it. Loving every second of it. Yeah. And and Will's sort of like, something's not right. Something's not right. This guy used to like to go to the ancient crypt with me, but not anymore. <laughs> No, that's, that sounds like a good time. That sounds better than capping day. Going to the ancient crypt, that's some fun. Jordan, I 100% can see you standing out in your yard, chopping wood all day, having a big old smile on your face. Look, I like chopping wood as much as the next person. I just don't want some tripod telling me to do it. You know what I'm saying? 
I want to char- I want to chop it on my own volition. <laughs> but that is the sign that something something has changed in Jack now that he's been captain. Will decides mm-hmm. to go on his own to this ancient tomb that he used to hang out at, and on his way, he gets grabbed by a vagrant, a vagrant who calls himself Ozymandias. I was like, mm, you're very high in yourself. I mean, you don't call yourself Ozymandias if you're low on yourself. <laughs> yeah, you didn't call him like like uh 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 what was it in Dick Tracy? Uh Steve the Steve the Bum or something like that? Prune face? No, not prune face. It was like oh Steve the Tramp. It was Steve the Tramp. Uh <laughs> he, it was the Tramp. So uh this character, Jordan, how many times do you think he ran Watchmen before he decided to take that name? <laughs> He would have. He didn't even know about it because that was that would have been a hundred years before Watchmen came out. <laughs> anyway, Ozymandias has been watching Will, and he can tell that Will doesn't fancy being capped himself. He's a little trepidatious about it, and why that's good for Ozymandias because he's been traveling the countryside of England searching for uncapped boys like Will. He needs to find these uncapped boys, Jordan. No red flags there. I know it's like I understand you know reading it with a bit of a modern audience and maybe um certain things come to mind that I don't think were intended by the by the by the author or the people producing this TV show but man it doesn't it doesn't sound good when he's talking about how he's like you're just the young boy I'm looking for and you're really special and I'd like to take you under my wing and I'm like I think he's grooming Will and he's driving by in his car rolls down his window he's like excuse me boy are you uncapped <laughs> I mean, it's again, it's it's not played creepy at all. It's sort of like uh, it's played more like you might be someone special. You're a chosen one or you're someone who is um, exemplary. So thus, I can see it in you because we as a viewer or as a reader of the book know that there is something special and he's going to be our, our hero that is going to reveal everything to us. But yes, it's it you could you could see it in a very creepy way, too. <laughs> at any rate, uh, Ozymandias. He's from the White Mountains, where uh, a bunch of uncapped people are building an army to oppose the tripods. And uh, he's able to prove it to Will by showing off a few things he has. He has, like, uh, an old watch that works and a pair of binoculars. And, and Will's never seen any, anything like this before. And he's, uh, Osmanis explains, these are, these are inventions made by man that uh, we don't do anymore because we've been capped. And he's just like, we have so much potential in us, and that's why we're trying to build this army, essentially. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know in terms of a show that's um, a little bit plodding in his pacing, I thought it was funny how fast he's able to turn Will around. He's just basically like, hey, everything you know is a lie. Um, I'm from the White Mountains. You probably want to go there on an adventure. Um, here's a here's a, a watch. And he's like, I'm in. You've convinced me. Will's been waiting for this day. Just anybody to come along and say, hey, you want to not get capped? Yeah. And he's like, yes, yes, I do. I mean, fair. That is fair. You recognize that. You that's something you relate to. <laughs> He's just waiting. He's waiting for an excuse. You just don't want to be capped so bad. Any man can come off the street and offer you an adventure and you'll take it. You'll get in that van. I mean, it would have had to be more than a watch, you know? Some candy at least. Show me some candy. Would a Snickers bar kill you? <laughs> Ozymandias also shows him that he's been uh, sort of sneaking around England and kind of getting away with it, I guess. He he stole a cap, one of these uh, golden triangles, off the top of a dead man. And uh, he's been wearing it on his own head as a way to, I guess, fool the tripods. They don't get into it a lot, but I was kind of, I'm curious to see how that kind of plays out if you need this little cap to, like, sneak around and avoid the tripods and how that, like, interrelates. But I was, I, I like that touch. Yeah. 
Although it does seem that um, at the cap, you grow your hair back through it, right? Like you don't have to stay bald, it seems, because uh, when he does it, he pulls it out and it's like stuck in his hair. And all the other adults seem like they got full heads of hair. So I'm, I'm, I'm just in case you're worried that it's going to bring on onset balding. It doesn't seem like it does. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't have to look like Jean-Luc Picard for the whole life. That's exactly right. <laughs> at any rate, if Will wants to remain uncapped, Ozymandias says, meet me at the crossroads at dawn and we'll begin this long journey to the White Mountains. And uh, this will be his only chance because he's only stopping by town for the one night. So uh, Will has to make a decision right away. Yeah, he's like, I'll wait till 7 a.m., but not a minute longer. 7 a.m. is when I leave. <laughs> And, of course, that morning, Will gets up early. He's sneaking out of the house to go meet Ozymandias. Um, but he's caught by his cousin, Henry. And uh, Henry wants to come, too. And uh, it has my favorite dialogue in the show where Henry stops him. He's like, let me come, too. I don't want to be capped either. And Will's just like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if you should come. Uh, we always fight. And Henry's like, we love fighting. Let's do it. <laughs> he's like, all right. Yeah, good point. So then we sort of... Um... We sort of end with them deciding to head out together, and they start traveling. And what I like is that the the last shot is is a tri- a tripod off of the distance. And I think what we're supposed to get is it's watching them, but because it's a tripod and it, there's no emotions on its face, it's just it's just this robot staring. I'm like, it maybe it's watching, or maybe it's looking beyond them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's watching either. I think it. I think it's just supposed to be this because it it's a good it's good special effects. The the tripod like rises above the tree line, so it like looks huge, and its little robot green eyes are like moving back and forth. I think it's more just like since they're leaving on their adventure, just us the audience know it's like oh, but those tripods are out there, so look out. Yeah, look out, and 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 we're off to the races, and by races I mean uh, walking slowly backwards. <laughs> It's not so bad. It's it's got a real like Lord of the Rings kind of pacing to it. It's like you're gonna go on a grand adventure. Don't worry about it. It's gonna be a lot of hanging out, f- having some fun with some friends. Yeah, exactly. There's no one rushing. They're just gonna walk. They're gonna stop. They're gonna be like, oh, look a tree, and keep walking. And you'd be like, oh, I'm glad they filmed this. <laughs> Jordan, you're just like, bring on the capping. This is too boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I have to say though. Um, we're, that's the end of the first episode. We're going to jump to episode four and they've made it all the way to France. So, I mean, they didn't work. They didn't walk so slowly. That's true. Here's the IMDb summary for season one, episode four, France, July, 2089 AD. Beanpole, why can't we just follow the map? You see this line? It is the Chemin de Fer. I do not know your name for it. What's the Chemin de Fer? It is famous. When I am here, my uncle told me of it. I've always wanted to see the Chemin de Fer. What is it? It is too hard to say. But you will see. Come on. Will, Henry, and their new companion, Beanpole, continue on their journey by way of an abandoned Paris. Yeah. And um, so this is the, the what I mentioned at the beginning. We get this new character, Beanpole, who I think it was either in the, obviously, the second or third episode shows up. I think it was the, actually the previous episode. He's my favorite. I don't know why. He's got like goggle glasses. He's he looks just like you think. He's a skinny tall kid. Beanpole. I'm team Beanpole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just it. As implied by that summary, you know, a lot has happened in the 
intervening two episodes between pi- the pilot and see- and episode four. Um, they've they've crossed the English Channel somehow. I honestly, I was very curious. I'm like, I don't know how they got across that English Channel, but they did it, and they did it within July, so it was fast. It was a fast trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they just did it in like a day. They were thrown into prison at some point and rescued by kitchen staff member Beanpole, this new kid who's joined them, who uh, <laughs> he's also wants to remain uncapped. So he's joined them because he's a bit of a he's a bit of a smart kid. He's wearing those, as you said, goggles or I guess they're kind of like crazy steampunk glasses or something he's built for himself. And he fancies himself a bit of an inventor. And you can tell he's smart because he has a very peculiar way of speaking. That's right. Yeah, he's just like, he, there's a little bit of an affectation to him. But you forgot the one other thing we're going to find out. Ozymandias is dead. That's right. I didn't forget, but he is dead, Jordan. It's, something has happened between now and then, and all they've got now is his map to the White Mountains. <laughs> and I don't think they, and correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, I don't think they, they explicitly say, they're just like, eh, too bad Ozymandias died. He, oh, there was something to the effect of like, he died helping us get over here or something like that. And we're like, what happened? It's like, anyways, you should have watched those episodes. Yeah, they're not going to tell you everything. You go back and watch it if you want to know. Yeah. Anyways, the important thing is, if you were Team Ozymandias, I'm sorry, he's done. That's over for him. But they replaced him with Beanpole, so you're off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this this Beanpole kid, like Cousin Henry, is an orphan. He was raised by his aunt and uncle before they gave him away to an innkeeper to work in the kitchen, he says. I was like, whoa, this is a weird world we're living in. Uh, what I like is there's all this time for them to have these conversations because, again, it does have that Lord of the Rings feel. It's just they're walking. They're like, we're walking in a field. Now we're walking on a railroad. Now we're walking through a path. They're just like, there's time. It has that leisurely pace through the whole thing. Uh, but his uncle, before he gave him away, apparently, mentioned a place called Shamanda Fair, and he's always wanted to see it, but he somehow, for some reason, can't describe what Shamanda Fair is. But he is able to convince Will to deviate from their map's path to uh, check out Shamanda Fair. They're going to go see Shamanda Fair, Jordan. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, Luke, you and me, we don't want to be capped. We're on our journey. A gentleman named Beanpool joins us. We're walking and Beanpool's like, hey, let's get off the path. I got, I know there's somewhere better to go. What are we doing? Are we, are we going with Beanpool or are we going to go? No, we have a map. We're going to stick with our map. I don't know. Depends, depends where he says he wants to go. Where, where do you want to go, Jordan? Uh, it was called something, it was Lilith Fair or something like that. I just said it four times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Shamanda Fair, Jordan, they're going to Shamanda, Shamanda Fair. Fair. See, I would have had more questions. They didn't You're have... telling me you don't want to see what Shamanda Fair is? No, no, that's what I'm saying. I just would have had more questions. I'd have been like, all right, what are we, what are we seeing? Is there, is there uh, rides? Are there, uh, are there games? Are there uh, weird uh, people to look at? Uh, are we going to have a good time? Is it going to be a fun adventure? That's what I want to know. Or is it, he's like, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention to you. It's like a big uh, dirt hole. And that was a real excitement for us back in, uh, back in the old uh, kitchen. Well, uh, as Beeple says, he's unable to describe it. So you just have to trust him. <laughs> That's what I mean. That would have been, I'd be like, Beanball, you got to do, you got to give me more than that. <laughs> I thought he was your favorite. You would just follow him anywhere. <laughs> I don't, I didn't say I'd follow him anywhere. I say he's my favorite. Because we haven't learned anything else about the other two. All we know is they like fighting. <laughs> well, Jordan, what is Shamanda Fair? Well, is it just is it just like uh it's just like a broken down uh like Paris or something? Isn't that what Shamanda Fair is? No. <laughs> what was Shamanda Fair? Because they because the first thing they do is they walk they they're in France. They made it to France. They get to these broken streets and we see ruins, right? 
Then they go to a no, 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 garage. no. You're missing Shamanda yeah, yeah, Fair yeah. entirely. What was Shamanda Fair? I didn't see anything. It was Shamanda Fair is the railroad tracks, which I think is some sort of European joke. I guess I don't understand it, but like maybe oh, that's what the name of the that, railroad. That tracks was it. Are. I'm. We saw the railroad tracks. I didn't think that was. I thought Shamanda Fair was like going into like France. I didn't think it like it, like Paris or whatever. No. I didn't think then walking on the railroad. I was just like I thought that was just part of the journey. No, because they're like let's go see Shamanda Fair. Cut. They're on the railroad tracks. See, I yeah, I didn't. I'll be honest, I didn't get that. I just was like, oh, I guess we're still gonna get there. He just calls this something weird now, because that was it. See, now being pulled out of being like, this is it. This is it, man. Tracks. Well, to be fair, to be fair, they have a quite the adventure on those railroad tracks. They see a real train go by. They've never seen one before. Yeah, and it's steam powered. And Bean pulls like, see, steam, steam's the future. <laughs> I was curious, though. I don't think the tripods are, like, that much of an overbearing force. Like, if some guy is still running a train, like, the tripods aren't trying that hard to enforce anything. Well, they're like, we'll allow a certain amount of technology up till about eh, late 1800s. After that, no more. No, that's clearly illicit because no one knows about steam power. So someone's running an illicit train. Mm. And there's just no way the tripods can't see that going by. Or maybe the tripods just kind of suck, and if everyone just kind of, like, got out of their villages, they could do what they want. That's what I'm saying, is I think people are choosing this life. I think they like it. Maybe. Maybe you're right. Because these tripods, like, they're not trying that hard. They're not really enforcing much and much uh, on these people, from what I can tell from these two episodes. I think people are choosing to live a simpler life, Jordan. They might. Like, when you jo- move to the country. <laughs> That's true. So I can, but but I'm cutting wood in, in uh, on my own time, you know. <laughs> Those tripods walk around in the background. They have nothing to do with it. Yeah, that's true. They, they are pretty slow, though. I was I was like, do they can they shoot lasers? Because you could run away from them pretty quickly. Yeah. See, I think we haven't seen it. Obviously, we're skipping episodes. We haven't seen the full force of the tripods. But so far, it does seem like the tripods clearly are capping people. But I don't. They don't seem like they're like that like aggressive about it and everyone has implied that this is an an agreement they've come to with the tripods like this is the tripods are just helping them out ending war and giving them this advantage of being closer to nature so i i do wonder if it's just as like is this voluntary are we is maybe the tripods not this evil force well it's an interesting point because i'm i'm curious to know and obviously neither of us have read the books and are not that familiar but i'm curious to know if it is to your point is is this simply the idea that you don't have the freedom of imagination or creativity or um, a choice about what your life in the future is going to be, is that the great evil? Or is it actually there is an enslavement happening here, like an actual physical uh, domination? Because as as we've seen so far, it is just that sort of like, well, we're, we're going to allow them to take out this part of us because it doesn't work in with our just society and we're all kind of fine with it. But is it that... You know, you're reading this as a young kid and the idea that someone would ever, you know, tell you you can't dream or can't become something is is an evil in itself. I mean, Jordan, it's a classic uh, teenage trope is just like parents don't know what they're talking about. They're always trying to hold you down. Yeah, but 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 I, I think I think there's probably part of it. But I'm, I, I, I'm curious to see, as you mentioned, is is that the extent of it? Is that the great evil they're fighting or is there like are they like violent are they uh, dominant are they cruel we were not sure 
Yeah, I don't know. I, we don't really know if there is a great evil yet. We just know they're going to the White Mountains to uh, find the free people who don't have to get capped and work at their mundane day jobs. But in the meantime, they go into the city. There's ruins. As I said, they find a car in a garage. They're like, can't figure this thing out. And then is it now? Do they go to a store? Is that what that was they went to? Because there's like mannequins and stuff. <laughs> um, it, I couldn't tell if it was like an old broken down store or, or what it was. It was, right? It was like a mall. It's an old department store. But yeah, they go, they take a little hand cart. They find a railroad hand cart that speeds their journey to Paris. And that's right. We haven't talked about it, Jordan, but that rundown Paris is looks great. Like we see like a huge sky, mm. uh, sky shot, like a matte painting of uh, a crumbling Paris with the Eiffel Tower. We see them walking toward the, uh, a crumbling Arc de Triomphe, like... Paris looks amazing. Like, they did a great job with this, like, post-apocalyptic Paris. I agree. And I'm a big fan. I know I've said it before. I like the matte paintings. I think they look really good, and I think they they make this nice, expansive uh, world. I agree with you. It looked good. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised because in the first episode, we don't see too much. We see some good effects of the tripods walking around in the distance or, like, hovering above them. And, like, the big, like, they have big practical props for, like, the feet for the tripods. This is the first time we've seen the world at large, and, like, it's... Gorgeous. Like, they did a very nice job bringing, out, bringing us into, like, a crumbling Paris for sure. But to your point, uh, they do find a, uh, a, a shopping mall, a, a department store of some sort, and they're excited. There's just, like, stuff everywhere. There's pots. There's pans. There's bags. Yeah, Beanpole tries on some new glasses. Um, and, and what the, the point I was there's making is there's mannequins everywhere. And we get, we get like, like, a shot from up high about the mannequins, and then... You wouldn't believe it. One of the mannequins moves. Oh, spooky. Yeah. Yeah. And she looked sort of like uh, um, uh, Daryl Hannah from uh, Blade Runner. <laughs> but uh, they don't see anyone else there. They, it's just clearly someone we, the audience, know is watching them. But essentially, the kids just get new gear. They walk out of the or they walk out of the mall, and they're like, they're all dripped out, Jordan. They've got the latest 80s fashion on. They're looking great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like I like when um, uh, the kids find booze. <laughs> Take a little sip, uh, but it's just wine, Jordan. That's normal in Europe. You can just drink wine anytime you want. Yeah. Um, so they're they're going around. They're looking at stuff. Uh, they're having a good time. And then what I like is that this this uh, sort of figure that's been watching them. I said like it was looked like it was a mannequin, and we can see them kind of peeking at them. And we see it's a woman. And what her first attack is? She's like a Looney Tunes character. She's like Wiley Coyote. She like drops an anvil on them. <laughs> yes, we see her leverage an old shelf off the second floor so it crashes down to just, I guess, spook them. I don't know if it's supposed to do an attack. I don't know what she's planning. Yeah, you might be right. Maybe it was just a spook. I thought she was attacking them and I was just like, this is this is it. But, I mean, yeah, they, they are spooked. So if that was her intention, well done. Spooked they were. Um, but they're not that spooked. As I said, they get all geared out and leave. They head to an old subway metro station and go down there, and they discover that, like, it looks like people used to live there. There's, um, like, cots and, like, old, like, lanterns and stuff, but clearly not for a long time. Uh, and, and more importantly, Luke, not only is there um, beds and stuff, uh, there's, like, a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, the implication maybe is that the army was down here for a period of time, and they've left automatic weapons and grenades, and it's a miracle those boys don't kill themselves. They start shooting those things off willy-nilly. They're hucking grenades around, <laughs> exploding, like, newspaper stands. It's like, uh, it's a miracle the movie didn't end right yeah. here, or the TV show. I actually thought this was the best scene of the two episodes, which is, it, it goes exactly as you would think it would for people who don't 
have any recognition of these items. So it's like, here's a thing. I'm going to pick it up and play with it. And of course it's her shooting, but they don't know what a gun is or what its capabilities are. Just like they don't understand these, these uh, sticks of dynamite or grenades or whatever they're throwing that they're exploding. It's just, you're right. It's just luck that they don't die. But I thought it was a very well done scene of sort of the confusion as to what are these things and why would they have ever expected them to explode or fire? Yeah, yeah. Why would this iron goose egg ever explode? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At any rate, the boys finally settle down for the night in a what appears to be a bed and bath store. There's a bunch of mattresses, dusty old mattresses there next to a bathtub so they can also have a bath while they're there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, it works. Why not? It's, it leads to a funny scene where Will dunks cousin Henry's head under the water. Oh, those <laughs> scamps. And they play chess. And they play chess. For somehow, chess has survived. I was surprised to see that. Yeah. I mean, age-old game, you know? I guess so. I guess the creativity doesn't expand to chess. That's okay. Capping doesn't stop you from doing that. <laughs> but what would you say would uh, normally ruin a game of chess? Because what I would say is a bunch of, like, 1980s punks throwing rocks at you. Yes, the uh, some teens probably dressed as the breakfast club apparently show up and start throwing rocks <laughs> and, and I, I like i like it because i don't know if it was supposed to be that they're not very good but they're throwing rocks sort of like all over the place and then the boys just start throwing them back and it just is sort of like a disorganized uh, snowball fight that's sort of what it looks like i mean i think it was pretty good in that it's authentically like if two groups of kids, teenagers, attacked each other, like they're just hucking rocks. They're not. There's no like plan or organization. I mean, there is a scene in um, that last It movie. I guess it's from the comic books or the comic books, the book as well, where the teens just have a rock fight, and it's very similar. It's just like people are hucking rocks at each other until finally Will takes one to the head and is knocked unconscious with a pretty serious head wound, and then the teens just steal their gear and run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you, and we he's get hit hard enough that he's yeah not only knocked out but he seems to it seems to be quite severe. So the next sort of scene we get is them back in the countryside wheeling um, him around in uh in in a sort of wheelbarrow type apparatus, and then it was weird. It was like it was like slow, slow, slow. Here we go, and it's like they're wheeling in the countryside. Bean Poy falls the castle. People on horses find Will, and I'm like, what is happening? And it's like cliffhanger, and 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 they had me. They pulled me in. <laughs> yes, that's right. Cousin Henry and Beanpole have pulled him out of Paris. It starts to pour rain, so they leave him under a tree while they run off to try to find some shelter for the night. And leaving Will there, some teens with dogs and horses come out of a nearby castle and find Will, and we're just like, oh no, what does this mean? What do these castle teens want? Yeah. Were they teens, though? I couldn't tell. The guy looked 30. No, no. The kid on the back of the horse was definitely a teenager. He had long, floppy hair. Mmm... That's how you can tell. Neither of us have long, floppy hairs. That's you know we're old. He's clearly a heartthrob, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair. Uh, but that's it. That's the cliffhanger. Now we're like, oh, no. Can you not tell ages? Is that the problem? I, I, uh, well, I, I find older things. It's hard to tell. Everyone seems about 45 years old. <laughs> I actually thought this was pretty good. Everyone is clearly a teenager in the show. Okay. Well, maybe it's just me. I thought the guy looked a little old. <laughs> But yes, this is the first two episodes of the tripods. We've kind of got dipped our foot into the world of this uh, this BBC series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, we'll see we'll see what direction to go on. I think I think the biggest challenge we'll have is um, if they keep doing cliffhangers, we're never going to see the end of the cliffhanger because we're going to just keep jumping forward. I mean, I don't know if it matters too much. Like this is clearly aimed at 
teens or preteens. It's a younger audience is aimed at. They're 20-minute episodes, so not that much can really even happen in them. So I have a feeling it's actually not going to be... Like, we're going to miss, like, individual episode stories, but I have a feeling the, like, the overall arc isn't going to be that hard to follow. Right. Um, did you find, though, uh, and I know we're going to rate these in a minute, but I did find it has one... The one major challenge I found was that it has the issues of like straight adaptations. Now, again, I haven't read the books, but I the sense I get is that they're like, all these things are important. So let's put them all in. Like, if you were doing this episode, do you think they need to have the railroad thing? I was like, they ought to cut it out. I don't know. I didn't mind it. It feels to me a lot like just yeah like a lord of the rings or something it's just about the journey there's going to be lots of little side detours where they see little things and like learn about the world i didn't i didn't find it as objectionable i didn't say it was objectionable i just would like there to be a point to something have one of the kids run over by the train that's all i'm saying <laughs> you need non-stop action or are you just like your mind drifts i didn't say non-stop action maybe a little bit of action <laughs> you got to see the train. The train came by and they hid behind those rail piles. That's true. That is true. Yes. And I'm like, were they ever in, in danger of the train hitting them or anything? Nope. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> well, that's because they hid. They were safe. <laughs> that's true. All right, Jordan. Let's see. Let's see what you want to rate this. I, I can't tell. I can't tell how you feel about it. So how do you feel about A Village in England, uh, July 2089? Um. I, I like the I like the kind of feel of it. Uh, I thought the the kids are pretty pretty good. Um, I like that it's kind of teasing what this world is. Um, I always feel I start pretty strong with these because you know it's it's up to the show to keep the rating. So um, I did think think it was a little bit pedantic. So um, I'll, I'll give it a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. I think these tripods look great. I think they've done a great job there. I'm not sure what the budget is for this, but it's it's not small. It's not huge, but it's not small because you have like a real feeling of scale to these tripods that uh, wander into town and like take old Jack up for his capping. I, I, there's a real real love to this that you can feel. Like someone's put a lot of effort and uh, attempts to like build something epic in scale even if it is like too early for cg where you have to like do it all practically They've done a great job i'm gonna go 7.5 7.5 i like that i basically just gave criticism gave it seven and then you just like praised it gave it seven and a half <laughs> that point five made a big difference well i mean to be fair to the show it's it is aimed at a younger demographic than us so as a result true some of the writing is going to be aimed younger like there's a little bit of that that's going on for sure it's just like it's not an adult show necessarily but i'm i was surprised i'm like you know what i'm enjoying this quite a bit it's uh it's for kids but in a very enjoyable way okay so what do you think about uh the second episode episode four france france july 2089 <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, i liked it too it was a fun i loved going to paris i uh liked meeting this new beanpole kid I, I like the pace of it. I am on board for just like this like slow moving. We're having a nice time. It's a hangout show. We're just hanging out with these kids and they're, they're learning about the world. This uh, crazy post-apocalyptic world they don't know anything about. I'm going to go seven for this one. Mm. I'm going to go down a little bit too. Uh, and I'm hoping something's going to happen. I, I want um, these, these kids on, on horses to chop someone's head off or fight a tripod or do something, um, but uh, I found uh, uh, the the punk kids throwing rocks was the the best part of the episode. Um, so I'm going to give it a six out of ten. Six out of ten. 
All right, well, we have some differing opinions, it feels like, coming on with this, because I, I don't think it's going to get much more action-packed. It's not so much more action-packed. It's just that I just, like, I mean, this episode could have been 30 seconds. It could be like, hey, anyways, France, and they walk away. <laughs> but then you wouldn't have got to hang out and learn about Beanpole and, like, hang out with Cousin Will and get his head dunked underwater. It's all about that. It's all about the journey, Jordan. But did we learn a lot about them? I don't know if we did. Well, we learned they were orphans. We learned that he was given away to an innkeeper. Yeah, again, 30 seconds. That's fine. <laughs> hey, I gave it a 6 out of 10. That's all I'm saying. I gave it a 6 out of 10. All right. Well, we'll see how this goes. I, I have a feeling it's not going to get more action-packed, though. No, that's, that's probably true. I mean, if, Which I if know the cli- you're not saying it's not action-packed, but... I'm, I, no, I, I think you're right. I, I understand this type of show it is. I do think, though, that... It's an interesting point that you said you feel like there's a lot of love behind it. I don't know if I feel the same way. I'm not saying it's it's like I disagree. I just don't know if I'm like I feel it coming out of the screen. I'm like, oh, there's a passion here. I I, I didn't get that sense. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we'll we'll see as it continues. I mean, I think it's going to be a challenge because it is so serialized, Jordan. That like we're not going to see that. You're going to have to like mm. you're going to have to just have it as a feeling. I think because you're not going to see the inter <laughs> interweaving storylines. Uh, yeah, you so, might be right. You know, we'll see how it goes. Well, I'm hoping just just before the end, all I'm asking is I want one tripod to like, you know, uh, uh, shoot someone with a laser. That's all I'm asking. Just give me one laser. I mean, we don't even know if they have lasers since they have they have like mechanical arms. So I don't even know if they have laser technology. These tripods. Okay, make the mechanical arm electrified. Just give me something. Just before the end of the series, give me something. What if one of the electrical arms gives someone the finger? I'll take it. Okay, great. <laughs> well, we'll move on. We'll come back next week. We'll see what's happening on these tripods. See if Jordan gets the action he craves. <laughs> In the meantime, with a show like this, with the best of, we're not going to watch all the episodes. So it means we're going to miss a lot of adventures. Like, I doubt we're going to find out what happens in that castle, despite Jordan's hoping someone gets their head cut off. I don't think <laughs> we're going to see Beanpole's head rolling down the street. Probably not. Um, but if you want us to go back and find out if that happened, we have bonus episodes for charity. And that's an initiative we're doing in which you can make a donation to charity and you can say, hey, you didn't go, you didn't watch this one episode of this series because either you're doing a best of, so you skip past it to watch the top three, or sometimes we take the escape pod and like just miss a bunch of episodes of a series because we can't take it anymore. It's, it's time to leave that show behind. But you can donate to charity and ask us, to go back and watch an episode we missed, and we'll do a bonus episode for you about that particular episode of that series. Uh, you can get all the details on our website, continuedrag.pondbead.com. You can find the charities we've got selected by past ga- by past guests on the show that you can donate to. We've got like a short list of charities to choose from. Figure out how to email us. Figure out we've got a list of all the episodes we've skipped. All that information is there. Or if you have any questions, email us here at continuumdrag at gmail.com and we'll fill you in in more details before you make that donation to explain how how to do the donation, how to get the bonus episode you want to see. Um, and other than that, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, we'll have clips from the tripods. You'll get to see what a tripod looks like. You'll get to see what a cap looks like. You'll get to see it all. What, what a vagrant looks like. <laughs> you get to see, uh, what was that What was that fair called? The, the train tracks, what do they call it? What was it called, Jordan? What was the name of that fair? It was like Baji Bougie Fair or something like that. Anyways, you get to see that. Shamanda Fair. <laughs> That's right. Shamanda Fair. You get to see that. It doesn't matter. It's train tracks. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, that'll all be on uh, our social media. The handle there is at Continuum Drag. But that wraps it up for this episode. So, listener, thanks for joining us. And, Jordan, I'll see you next week. I'll see you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes.